I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, rap. That's right. Today, one of the biggest selling rappers of all time, one of the founding members of the Wu-Tang Clan, Method Man, is here. He's also host of the upcoming TV show Drop the Mic on TBS, a James Corden production. That's where I met him. We met uh, at the show, hit it off, and then I went out to his house in Staten Island, uh, New York City, and we had a great conversation talking about Wu-Tang's early days, Tupac's murder. Biggie's murder, the whole East Coast versus West Coast rap rivalry that some say cost both Tupac and Biggie their lives. Method Man also had a pretty big role in the Marvel Netflix series. Luke Cage, he's a hell of an actor. You hear the crazy story that resulted in that opportunity. He's also a huge wrestling fan since childhood. He's got favorite wrestlers, favorite matches, favorite performers, favorite Y2J moments. But before we get to Method Man... I'm doing a couple spoken word shows in Ireland. We've talked about it. They're the words of Jericho. Listen in, man. The June 7th date in Belfast has already sold out uh, VIP and general admission, but there's still a couple of general admission tickets left to the June 8th show in Dublin. You can get those at Ticketmaster.ie. Come on down. We're going to have a great time just hanging out and uh, shooting the breeze, telling stories, answering questions, uh, tap dancing, whatever it is I can think of. And, of course, the Fozzie Judas Rising Tour kicks off May. 5th in Virginia Beach, Virginia at the Lunatic Luau. King and Sons of Texas will be supporting us for most of the run. You can get tickets to all the shows and buy VIP meet and greets at FozzyRock.com. You're not going to want to miss the VIP meet and greets. Uh, We do a private concert for y'all. Take pictures. Um, Lots of great stuff. Plus, uh, uh, Zara Schreiber is actually our VIP uh, merch person from NXT fame. She came from that background, and she's going to start with Fozzie this tour. We're excited to have her as well. So if you're an NXT fan, you can come check her out. And also, uh, see the new Judas video. For the new song by Fozzie, Judas, debuting May 2nd on Loudwire.com at 10 a.m. Check out the teaser um, on my Instagram, and I will uh, probably play Judas. Let's see, May 2nd is a Tuesday. 
So let's say we'll play it May 3rd. We'll debut Judas by Fozzie next week right here on Talk is Jericho on May 3rd. And it will all come together because when we play in Judas on the Judas Rising Tour, you see, that's why we called it that. May 6th at the Revival in Canton. May 7th, Carolina Rebellion in Charlotte. May 9th, the Concourse in Knoxville. May 10th, Trixie's in Louisville. 11th, the Rave in Milwaukee. 12, Green Bay Distillery in Green Bay. 14 is Northern Invasion and uh, Somerset, Wisconsin. 16, the Diesel Club Lounge in Pittsburgh. 17, Chameleon Club in Lancaster. 18 is 89 North in Padjog, New York. 19th, House of Independence, Asbury Park, New Jersey. 20th, Blue Fox at Winchester. 21, Main Stage in Morgantown, West Virginia. 23, Machine Shop in Flint. 24, The Forge in Joliet. The 5th, Fubar, St. Louis. 26, Rocklahoma in Prior, Oklahoma. 27, River City Rock Fest in San Antonio. And the 28th is in Dallas at the Starplex Auditorium, BFD. We are so excited to be seeing you guys once again. FozzyRock.com for all tickets and VIP information. We're also headed to Europe to do the Download Festival on June 11th. Main stage with Aerosmith. We're excited. Also hosting the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards on June 12th at the O2 Arena in London on the 13th or at the Crawford Arms in Milton Keynes. That show's almost sold out. There's also going to be a not-so-secret Fozzy game on the 14th in England. Keep your eyes and ears open for that. Keep checking FozzyRock.com for all information, all VIP meet-and-greets. Come check us out and rock with us. Judas debuting right here. Talk is Jericho on May 3rd. Okay. All right. Method Man is coming up. Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, here with, uh, with Method Man, yes, and it's a family circus. The family's yeah. all around. Everyone's getting uh, organized, getting ready. Hell yeah! And I always love it's like you know, like one of the one of the biggest stars in rap history, and you come here, and it's just like father knows best. You know what I mean? Damn right. It's cool seeing the other side of the coin. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing with you guys. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We see the persona that you guys portray on TV, but when you're at home with your kids, whole different thing. It's a different thing, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is really cool because we had a chance to. Um, Meet up, just kind of cross paths for the show. Drop the mic, which yeah. you're the host of. Hell yeah, which was fun. Yeah, it was. I thought that um, at the end of the day, the crowd were going to pick the female, regardless to who they were battling. And since then, all the girls that have battled dudes have won, whether really? they were good or not. Yeah. I learned the number one rule is don't ever go head to head with an Ali in anything. There you, go. you can't you can't compete with, with Ali. Not with that legacy. That <laughs> not legacy. That legacy yeah. Oh my God, it's it's in cement right now. <laughs> real. But it was a fun show. It was kind of like a battle rap thing. Yes. Like, like I battle rapped Layla Ali and yeah. um it was kind of a cool idea. It was you know, and um at the end of the day, it's all in fun and that's what we're trying to have the celebs experience that that you know take them out of their comfort zone not a lot just a little bit mm-hmm. but to make them have fun at the end of the day right. we got a great audience man and and i think that um yeah we got a hit here who uh who who did good i, I only saw the um oh, the dudes man. from uh uh from big bang theory and then of right. course me and layla but who else was on the, that did a good showing um i say the usher and um um anthony anderson battle Ooh, Usher did good. it. Usher and Anthony. Oh Anderson. wow! But does uh, but Usher's kind of a well, I guess he's not a rapper. He's more of a nah, singer. He's more right? of a yeah, singer. Yeah. But you know what? Him and Anthony had a good battle. Okay. You know, and it was a, it was exactly what you would expect it on the ad lib stuff. Anthony would get him. Mm-hmm. But as far as the sex appeal and the and the stand in the pocket with the rhyme, Usher got him on that. So we knew at the end of the day, if we left it up to the fans, or, I mean the audience, mm-hmm. to judge, which we always do. They were going to pick Usher. Right. Right. Sex symbol, whatever. And he edged them out. But the guy that stood out most to me was uh, 
Uh, he plays on um, Fresh Off the Boat. I'm so mad I can't remember his name. Like the Korean guy? Russell Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wrote his own rhyme. Really? And murdered. Murdered. <laughs> he battled James Vanderbeek, and that wasn't an easy task because James was on his A game. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But... Yeah, I was impressed. <laughs> I was very impressed. You just said something interesting talking about rapping. Obviously, like yeah. I said, you're you're one of the greatest. Being in the pocket. Yes. I think that's something like being a singer as well. I understand that. But a lot of people wouldn't explain what that means to be a great rapper. When you're in the pocket, you're not only in the beat. You're riding the shit out that motherfucker. And it's like the words and the cadence that you're using fit perfect with the beat mm -hmm. you're always on that one two three four one two three four one that's being in the pocket mm -hmm. when you can stay in that one two three four groove and still get everything out that you want to say and it's melodic you're good that's the secret right? yes, yes is this something that, how did you learn how to do that did you just have it as a kid or did you know you... what um i grew up in a musical household mm -hmm. and uh from funkadelic to uh earth wind and fire to sugar hill gang mm -hmm. it was always music around me to the point when i was little i would i would sing myself to sleep with different commercial jingles or sesame street songs <laughs> or electric company songs that i love one two three four five six seven eight nine, 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 nine ten eleven twelve oh god <laughs> You right there with me. And, you know, um, eventually when I moved to Staten Island, because before that I lived in Long Island, and, you know, Nassau Coliseum was big for WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually have a show that there tonight. Was when, I'm talking back when it was WWWF. <laughs> and Vince was doing what, uh, you know, Coach and those guys do now. Right. And, uh, well, Coach isn't there anymore. You're talking about doing the commentating. Commentating, yeah. yes, sir. And he would do the interviews like Mean Gene did. Mm. And... My the first match that I had ever seen, I think I was like seven or eight years old, and we had to tune in to Channel Forty Seven, which was a Spanish channel on UHF, not VHF. For all you kids out there, yes, we used to have two different knobs on the TVs. <laughs> One was VHF for all the regular channels, then it was UHF for anything past twelve. Yeah, so it was kind of like the uh, the uh, local broadcasting, public broadcasting channel. Exactly, yeah. and it was a match between. Bob back no Bruno San Martino and Larry Sabisco hmm. and he hit him in the head with a chair and I remember one of the because we were living in a shelter then and one of the kids that stayed in the shelter with me his teacher was a photographer that went to a lot of those events and sure enough when Bruno looked up and he was leaking you seen the teacher come in and take a picture. I knew it was him because he had long hair and a big bald spot in the middle. So we knew it was him. And it was just surreal for me at that moment. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe he hit him in the head. With, look at all the blood. And I was hooked. Mm -mm. Hooked. And I remember I was a big fan of Rene Goulet because I always rooted for the underdog. And Rene, I mean, in my, in my opinion, he was a jobber. But he was a good jobber. And anyone he was in the ring with, he made look better, in my opinion. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going away. That's all right, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so you grew up kind of at the Nassau Coliseum watching the, the WWE. Yes, shows. sir. I never made it to a show, but I would always watch. I remember okay. when they switched it to Saturdays, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it would come on, and we would have these cage matches because we had bunk beds, so we would take the top bunk off and have cage matches and be in there brutalizing each other, <laughs> man. And this was when Snooker started to have his run and he was getting big and big and jumping off the top rope and I tried that and broke the whole bed coming down. <laughs> Boom! But it was still fun. It was still fun. So you said you were living in a shelter? Is it kind of like a... Yes, Um. it was... 
uh, trying time in my mother's life for us, and uh, we were young, and um, she needed a fresh start. And uh, we wound up in this uh, shelter in Brooklyn for battered women. Mm. Nothing to hide. You know, she's not, you know, hiding from her past. And um, honestly, the family structure in there was so good that I fully understood at an early age what it meant by what they meant by it takes a village because we had was nothing but women in there. You know, all of them had their, their stories or whatever of why they were there. But in the end, they were all about the kids. Hmm. Basically trying to give us a normal life in an abnormal situation. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And those guys that lived there were the first ones that put me on the wrestling. Wayne, Ronnie, and Sean. Sean was the youngest brother, but Wayne <laughs> and Ronnie were the older brothers. And um, you could only stay there but so long before you had to move on. And so separation anxiety was big for me back then because all my friends would leave eventually. Oh, until we right. eventually left and landed here in Staten Island. So, I mean, you know, the journey was long. I wouldn't change anything about it. But it's, it's funny how fate is because if I would have never went there, I probably would not have been as big of a wrestling fan as I am <laughs> today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And also the kind of that upbringing that give you kind of the drive when you first started out rapping because there's a little bit of, I don't know if it's anger, but you got... Yeah. You had some, some, some drive there. You're right? right on it. You're right on it. I mean, when you're living in a situation, when you're living in a situation every day where it's like ignorance is bliss, for one, because we were broke, yes, but everyone else around us was broke, too, so the kids didn't really realize how broke we were until we went outside of our environment. Mm-hmm. Then we saw how other people were living and saw the grass being greener over there, which, is, which isn't always the case. And it was like, okay, we want more for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense, we want to stay ourselves. And hip-hop was the best venue for that. I mean, I couldn't play basketball. I mean, I could play football and things like that, but sports wasn't in my future. And that's a big escape for a lot of young black youths nowadays. You know, they, they either do the sports, they do the music, or some form of entertainment Mm -hmm. what we really need is more science more scientists more technicians more engineers Mm. you know what i mean but i would never knock anybody for taking a negative situation and turning it into a positive always but when you're living kind of on the streets that is more tuned to sports and 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 the rap music that sort of thing it's hard to want to be a scientist if you're you know living in a shelter for example this is true this is definitely true but i'll tell you one thing there was a teacher that i had in Long Island, and uh, her name was Miss Gold, and she always encouraged us, because we would read comic books, and usually in school, that's a no-no. So what she did to combat that, she would have a comic book club at the end of the day, Hmm. and all of us would sit around and make our own comic books. That lady there, (laughs) those are the kind of teachers we need, and I mean, (laughs) yo, thank you, Miss Gold, because my comic book addiction is still the same. I have over 25,000 books. In that garage right there. So before we talk about that, what, what kind of comics did you make? Because I used to make my own comics too. My first cart, my first comic book character, I wanted to be different from everybody else, so I named him Ulysses. Ulysses. Yeah, like Ulysses S. Grant, but his <laughs> name was just Ulysses. And 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 was he a superhero? Yeah, he was a superhero. No plot to it, but he was more of a Batman kind of. No superpowers, but he just whooped ass. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Basically that. Basic shit. Basic shit. I used to do that. I would make uh, my biggest ones. I had for some reason it was called the Mister Rogers Band, and they would go have adventures like the Beatles, like Hard Days Night type thing. Oh yeah, I love, yeah. So yeah, Mister yeah. Rogers 
was the, Jim Rogers was the lead singer, nice. and they had like a big band, like Wu Tang. There was like eight guys in the band, and they would go have adventures. Oh, <laughs> Still... man. oh. and we're just boys living out our childhood fantasies because you did your band thing. Same thing, the, right? Same right, right, right. thing, man. So yeah. twenty five thousand comic books. What's your favorite uh, titles? X Men. X Men. Uh, I like the darker Batman. Mm -hmm. And I go for like seventies Batman. Um, Neil Adams or no Frank Miller Frank Miller okay gotcha yeah, Frank Dark Knight era yeah Dark Knight era because mm. that's what get, brought me back to Batman it wasn't the uh, I mean the um, he did the first Batman the second Batman gotcha which was pretty good I mean he did he did get the Dark City but he made it more like a Batman animated series type of thing you're talking about the early days like Bob Kane Michael Michael Keaton oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah the movies okay right, gotcha right. Michael Keaton right yeah I'm familiar with Bob Kane and all those guys when they first came out with Batman he was a detective he was way more serious than the 60s TV show which I loved <laughs> took on a more campy vibe for it which kind of set the tone for a lot of DC comics which set them back way right back. their so, comics matched that that feel of the show Exactly. Wham, pow, bang. Blammo. So when you bring in Marvel, the underdog again, mm -hmm. taking me back to it's my Rene Goulet days, <laughs> I'm like, wow. And I got a taste of that X-Men, and it was a wrap for DC after that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even care about Justice League. If Super Friends came on TV, I wasn't watching it. It was all about Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. I had the best thing right there in front of me. You know, Not taking anything away from DC, because they did have some titles that I did you know, my first comic ever was a Green Lantern comic. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah. And that was the, kind of those days when the, they were the two biggest ones. Yeah, pretty much. Fighting each other. Let me ask you this. I mean, with all the, the Marvel movies, especially the X-Men, have you ever had a, any auditions or any chance to do anything? Because I know you do a lot of acting as well. Um, One audition for Ant-Man. T, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't mad, though, because I'm always rooting for my brothers to, 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 yeah, to yeah, step yeah, up yeah. and step into that arena. Um, But I did do Luke Cage. Right. And I had a blast doing that. And it's funny. It's a funny story because the writer of the show, who I hadn't seen in years, I defended him when one of our group mates punched him in the eye over some artwork that was done on an article he had wrote. Hmm. Are you talking about someone from Wu-Tang? Yeah, okay, one gotcha. of our group members. And uh, he wrote a great article in Rap Pages, but the artist used cartoon caricatures of us. And it wasn't too flattering. Hmm. And dudes, at that point in time, you know, this Wu-Tang, it's our first year out, and, you know, we beating everybody up on the road. That's not a good look. So being green and not knowing how the business works, one of the group members took it out on the writer. The writer wasn't responsible for the artwork mm -hmm. or putting the article out like that. That's the editor. So I defended him. And years later, turns out that he's the writer on Luke Cage, and he gave me a call and asked me to come through. And that, you just never know, right? You just never know. Cheo yeah. Big up to you, brother. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, -ha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline 
which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. This this is Talk is Jericho. Let's talk about the early days of Wu-Tang because you're talking about rap music and yeah. stuff. And then obviously run DMC. There's three guys and, and, and you know, beasties and that sort of thing. Yeah. The rap's more of a, of a, of a, almost a solo artist type of vibe. But Wu-Tang, the biggest band with the most members. Yes, sir. I mean, <laughs> how did you, how did you figure that out? How'd you get that rolling? I give all credit to Rizzo. Hmm. Rizzo was the brains behind the whole Wu-Tang persona, Wu-Tang, um, credo, everything that we were living by those first five years. Um, what had happened was Jizza had a record deal and Rizzo had a record deal. Jizza was with Cold Chillin' Warner Brothers. Rizzo was with Tommy Boy. For whatever reason, they didn't get the push that they deserved or needed at that point in time because they were upper echelon stars that were getting a bigger push. Big Daddy Kane's, Juice Crews, things of that nature. What year so, is this? Early 90s? Uh, uh, like like 90s? mid-80s. Mid-80s. Late-80s. Late-80s. There you go. Late-80s. Right. So when the opportunity came back around, now that he's gotten his feet wet and he's you know, made a few friends in the industry and knows how these things go, he decided to do an album with just him. Jizza and Old Dirty Bastard. That was supposed to be Wu-Tang. And the joint Protect Your Neck that we did our first single was just supposed to be like a uh, a posse cut that you do with all your friends and everybody hops on one record. Turns out that Rizzo had an epiphany that night when we were all in the studio. He was like, why don't we just come in with all of us and record all of us on different records? I got material on all these dudes because prior to that, we would go to his, instead of going to parties on Friday, we would go to Riz's house, make tapes, mm-hmm. different songs, things like that. And he took all that material, put it all together, and uh, made that album out of it. Now, for us, for me at least, it never seemed real. First five years into it, none of it seemed real. I was having way too much fun. Wasn't paying attention to what was going on. And uh changed my life. I mean, when I finally looked up and assessed what was going on, we were multi-platinum working on our next album, living in a mansion in the Hollywood Hills. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> just happened, man. But it, was a, it wasn't an easy journey. And this is what I think hinders artists today because they come in first-class flights. They coming in private jets, mm-hmm. things like that. And um, they didn't experience the grind that, let's say, a Run DMC had in the beginning where Russell was literally selling their records out the back of his trunk going up to radio stations here play this this is the new lick things of that nature and uh because i remember going from coach (laughs) to first class i remember going from two bedroom rooms i mean two bedrooms with two beds in it to having my own suite i remember that whole (laughs) transition right there and after i won my grammy forget about it (laughs) it was so so different imagine when you fly in you don't even have a ride from the airport to your hotel. Mm-hmm. Then when you get to your hotel, there's no greeter there to greet you, and you're <laughs> nominated for a Grammy. Um, you get to the Grammys. They give you your Grammy pre-show. 
Okay. Before the show even starts. So I run the whole gauntlet, do all the interviews and all that stuff. And before the show even started, I was gone. But by the time I got back to my room, there was flowers everywhere. <laughs> and the phone was ringing off the hook. We got this party we want you to go to. Then there's this party. Then you got to make an appearance here. And then you got to do this. And I'm like, wow. And suddenly you made it. Yeah. Suddenly I made it for real. But it's a great film. What, what did you get the Grammy for? I got the Grammy for Best um, Rap Duo or group with Mary J. Blige for the song mm. You're All I Need to Get By. Yeah. Matter of fact, I have it right here. Let me show you. Let's check it out. Method is now getting up to grab his Grammy. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, man. That's killer. 1995. So. Oh, shoot. I just spilled water. Sorry about that. I just spilled the water, kicked it over. Now he's got to get a towel. <laughs> Jericho's a klutz. This is really cool, man. So this kind of head to head, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this kind of took you to a different level, right? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Now, was that Mary's idea to do to Because it's your actually, song that she kind of did a, a, a sample of it in there, right? Um, it was uh, actually the, the original was done by Tammy Terrell and okay. Marvin Gaye and was oh. written by Nick Ashford and Valerie Simpson. Ashford, Ashford Simpson. Simpson yeah. Right. The reason why I know this is because they took 100% publishing. <laughs> So I don't get a dime off that record, but it was it was a good look for them giving me clearance and and things of that nature. And uh, the way we got Mary was, Leo wanted me to do the song. I said no, y'all gonna have to pay me to do the song. And eventually they paid me to do the song, and they brought in Puffy to get Mary, mm. but Puffy had to do the remix. Mm. So he got me Mary on the song, and I had no idea that she was a fan already because I've been like a fan of hers forever. Mm -hmm. And we met, and. She was real cool. I mean, went in there, did what she had to do, and was gone. Hmm. Yeah, and the next thing you know, you know, it's history. Winning Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say I was her first Grammy win, so that's, that's good. That's pretty good to say. Yeah. Now, you're talking about Wu-Tang being, being from New York, kind of East Coast type of thing. Yeah. And you go to, uh, to the Hollywood Hills, L.A. Yeah. Was the East Coast, West Coast uh, um, uh, controversy or, or, or yeah. rivalry? Yeah. Was it as real as people made it out to be? You know what? Um, in our eyes, it wasn't. It was just like people in the know knew that it was this individual that had beef with this individual. Mm -hmm. By the time the media got it, it was coast against coast. Coast to coast, right. I feel like sometimes they have to categorize things for simple-minded people to keep up. Mm -hmm. So they generalized everything. And what they didn't know was that at the end of the day, these dudes that aren't on the radar, the dudes that aren't stars but roll with these entourages are killers, mm. murderers. You know, they, mm. they're from the block. These are street kids that have no empathy whatsoever. And they're, I mean, basically, they're sociopaths. So, mm -hmm. I mean, my man doesn't like you, so I don't like you. You don't know my face, but I know yours because you're a public figure every day. So they kind of loaded the media kind of loaded those guns with those bullets hmm. they didn't fire them but they gave them the bullets to shoot you know what i mean and um we were there we were in cali the whole wu-tang and this was we were still i think promoting our first album because we were staying in the oakwoods and shit mm -hmm. and uh i remember seeing big two days before that Notorious? Yeah. Because it was my birthday. Mm -hmm. and we were hanging out and there was the awards going on and stuff like that. And I remember he was on a, a cane because he had just gotten a car accident. Lil C's almost crippled him. And 
I'm not going to say that he wasn't. I mean, he was out and about. He wasn't hiding, but you can tell he was a little uncomfortable because usually when I hook up with Big, he would come directly to me. But this time, maybe it was his leg. Who knows? But he he sent C's. Yo, Big over here, he want to talk to you. Okay. Went over there, set it up to him, chopped it up with him for a little bit, and that was it. And next thing I know, I got a call from somebody in the bad boy camp. Can't remember. And they was like, they shot Big. Hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, no, no way. But I'm thinking in my head, he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. Then the hair he passed. The thing that disgusted me the most was after he passed, because it was an award show going on, Soul Train Awards, most of the artists from the East Coast that were there left. I'm thinking to myself, like, y'all just played into what the media has been telling us all this time and y'all in the know y'all know that it's not an east coast west coast thing nobody's worried about y'all mm. this man just this man just lost his life over something so dumb we should have stood our ground and stayed in the west coast to show that it's not an east coast west coast beef not only that but to show support for for biggie and his family mm-hmm and, so you're uh, saying all the guys from from the east moved back to a the lot east. of a oh, lot gotcha. of the guys from the east that were out there for the awards gotcha. left the next day without even attending the awards. Oh, I see. You know, everybody was shook, scared, whatever the hell you want to call it, call it. Mm-hmm. Wu Tang stayed out there not because we were trying to be brave. We had work to do, mm-hmm. and we knew in our heads that it wasn't an East Coast West Coast thing because we were out in the clubs with these dudes every day. Mm-hmm. We never have security. That's not our thing. We are our own security, mm-hmm. and it was never any drama whatsoever at all it was one weird night somebody said in my ear like some craziness about yo meth uh, um because some girl did some girl did some craziness to me and i got really mad and i was steaming and some dude walked by me in the club and was like what's good meth he was a crip i'm like nothing man this girl over he's like that bitch we got the heat up in here and it didn't register to me at first but i seen the handle and I'm like, wait, no, we out of here. Got it. Yeah. No, fun, we're not going to kill this girl. Hell man. no, no way. But this dude got a gun in the club. Right. I'm right. like, we get out of this club. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If yeah. he got a gun in, imagine who else got a gun in this <laughs> right, motherfucker. Right, 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 right. For real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned with, with, with Big, why did he get, do we even know what happened? Why he um, got shot? It was something that happened with Tupac. Basically, this story has been told over and over again. They say that it was um, Tupac felt like he was set up when he went to Quad Studios to record. Puffy and the family and all of them happened to be there. And when Pac came through the lobby and was about to get on the elevator, dudes tried to rob him. Hmm. He reached and they tore his ass up. And um, at the end of the day, He's thinking to himself because he's getting locked up now for some charge that he had prior to that, some rape charge thing or something like that. He's in jail and people are telling him, yo, they set you up. Now, when you in jail, you know, it's like people in jail know more than people on the street, Mm -hmm. you know, and they saying, well, these dudes set you up and this, that and the third. And Pop did interviews and everything, igniting that. And all he ever said was bad boy this bad boy that and anybody that spoke up for bad boy he spoke out against him he didn't say f new york he didn't say f the east coast he just spoke about those individuals then the vibe article comes out while Pac is in jail and they put biggie and puff on the cover and it said in bold letters east versus west hmm. that was it right there and you know 
I'm not going to point any fingers at Vibe because they've made leaps and bounds since then. You know, everyone learns from their mistakes. But that was a very big mistake, and I think it cost some people their lives, wow. man. Wow. You know, By starting that. Right. And, I mean, there were conflicts between Bad Boy and uh, Death Row at Soul Train Awards shows and different events here and there. And, you know, certain people got shot, and this one gets killed, and, you know... It was just an ugly situation mm-hmm. all around, man. That's why I've always, for my crew, being like in the forefront of the Wu-Tang, I've always said that I'm not just being safe for myself. I'm being safe for everybody. So I didn't hang out as much. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ever really a hangout type of dude anyway. I'm more internal than external. Gotcha. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is crazy because I'm hosting this show, so I got to be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would never create a problem where other people around me could get hurt. Mm-hmm. You have to think like that, especially when you're in a public eye like that. You have influence. Yes, exactly. You know, with, the, with the size of your crew, you have influence. And I learned a valuable lesson from that, how far that influence spreads, because we got two potential greatest of all time rappers gone mm-hmm. for no reason. And you worked with both, right? You worked yeah. with, with Big? I worked with Big personally. I went in the studio and worked with Big. I had to sneak and do that because Wu-Tang didn't want me to do the record. Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't want me to do records with anybody. When you're a hot commodity and you're like the hottest dude at that point in time, because I was hot for a few months. I'll say a year. <laughs> and everybody wanted to do records with me. But at that point in time, we were still striving to find who we were and to keep the money in the family. Mm-hmm. So by me spitting on other people's stuff, that's me sharing money with people we don't even do business with. But I went and did the record anyway, and, 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 you know, Big was always a cool dude with me. And as far as the Pac record, that was a record I did with the Dog Pound, because I was always cool with them and Snoop. Snoop's guys, yeah. Yeah, when they came to the East Coast, even when that beef was happening, I still hung out with these dudes, because we knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And when Pac came home, Pac being the worker that he is, give me everything y'all got. Everybody wanted to contribute, so they were giving them all the records they had already had. California Love was supposed to be for Dre's next album. Oh, okay. He gave Tupac that record. Uh, the one that me and Redman are on, that was Dog Pound's record for their album. They gave it to Pac for his album, All Family Shit, mm-hmm. and that's how that came about. But I actually did meet Pac after that, and this was when all that bullshit was going on, and I hadn't seen him the whole night in the club. I remember seeing Latifah. Puffy was there. A few other people were there. But when the lights came on and we were walking out, I felt a tap on my shoulder. Turned around, it was Tupac. Had on all black attire. Seen the death row chain. No shirt on like he usually did. Who has a suit with no shirt? Anyway, <laughs> Shug was right there. Shadowing him. All of a sudden, all these lights and cameras came on. And I'm just looking like, and I ain't gonna lie, I was high as shit. <laughs> we had mushrooms that night. So I'm, I'm tripping off mushrooms. I'm seeing Tupac here. All kind of shit is running through my head, and he's telling me about a situation that happened in Vegas with the RZA. Now, RZA was in Vegas. Something happened with some some gang member dudes, jumped him, took his chain. Pac was trying to tell me if he was there, that shit would have never happened. You know, we already got the chain back, blah, blah, blah. And if there's anybody we would fuck with, it would be Wu-Tang. That was the last thing I remember him saying. Hmm. And I looked at him, I was like, yeah, you know, that's what men do. Love is love. And I broke out. I just wanted to get far away from that tension as possible. I'm not used to cameras in my face like that. <laughs> and the whole night I was there, it was dark. No cameras. All of a sudden when I see Pop, all of a sudden all these cameras come on and shit. So we get out the club. 
Um, we think we're talking about that night. I mean, we must have talked about it to like five in the morning because we're on mushrooms, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was crazy. And later on, in hindsight, I think about it, it was like that was Pac reaching out, you know, extending a hand, right. saying this ain't no East Coast, West Coast thing. We fuck with y'all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. To see, right? Yeah, definitely. Did you ever have any kind of relationship with NWA? Because it's the same time frame. They're like the West Coast version of Wu-Tang in a way. At that point, I had never met Dre. I hadn't met any of them. I remember meeting Ice Cube briefly in New York outside of Hot 97. Mm. I forgot what he said to me, but I've always been a fan of ice cubes and um he won't put me in any of his movies <laughs> and then i met uh easy e mm-hmm. 93 the beat i think that was the name of it 92 oh, 92 3 the beat and in, in cali he had a show and me and red man went through the promote and i remember he gave me this joint wrapped in licorice paper first time i ever had licorice paper <laughs> and it was that chronic too Ooh, easy e and i was like i'm gonna hold on to this shit because it's from easy e easy motherfucker E and I think like six months after that he died. Mm, That's mm. crazy. But I got to meet the man before he passed. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Talk is Jericho. What's the dynamic of being in in Wu-Tang when there's eight guys or nine? Nine. Nine guys. Well, ten now. Ten now, right? Yeah. How how do you do that? I mean, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? (laughs) You know what? I ain't going to lie. The first album, we were all hungry. And, you know, everything was fresh and new. Dudes were anxious to get in the booth and rhyme and all that stuff. Even anxious to do the shows. And we were getting, at the end of the night, we would get like $35 a piece. But dudes wanted their $35. <laughs> and then when it moved up to 100 I wouldn't want to be the manager that night, those nights, man, because we was on them. Like, where's my 100 I want my 100 right now. We're talking about eight, nine individuals. Uh, but the studio time was always the time for us to click. That brotherhood, learn who we are, learn about each other, and 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 just be a group. What a group is meant to be, you know mm. what I'm saying? Courteous to each other, all that shit. I love that first album, but the second album comes around, and we're talking about three different solo, no, four different solo albums prior to the second album coming out. So now you got a bunch of solo artists who have been on the road grinding as solo artists, trying to come back as a group and make songs mm. as a group. The cohesion wasn't all there. There were a few people that were still focused. Ghostface, uh, I like Ray on there. Dak, of course. I wasn't focused at all. I was had my head so far up my own ass. I'm telling him, flying first class now. I got a Grammy. I'm like, <laughs> method man, big man, pow, pop my collar, all that shit. So I didn't spend as much time in the studio as I should have, and the critics called me out on it. Mm. And that, for me, was like major because it was like they're really listening. Mm. Oh, shit. And you can't be one of the hottest or in the forefront of a group and not come with it because mm-hmm. now you lack it. Now that opens the door for them to pick and choose other members to put in the forefront ahead of you. So for me, that was a learning experience right there. And it just didn't feel the same as it felt when we first started recording. It just felt inorganic. It just felt Mm -hmm. pushed. Like we have to do this. It wasn't because we wanted to, it was because we had to, which wasn't good. 
Right. And plus, like you said, if you've got solo artists and maybe your album sold more than his yes. and his album sold more than his. So I'm sure the egos kind of get a little bit out of whack. A little, a little, you know what? But dudes is crazy because nobody wants to show it, but their actions speak louder than their words. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to lie. My, my single, All I Need, and the album went platinum. The single went platinum before the album did. But both of those went platinum before the Wu-Tang first album did. And yes, I was riding a high horse. And, and yes, I mean, I never felt any jealousy, but you can tell that dudes weren't as happy for me as I was for myself. <laughs> Real talk. But it right. wasn't any jealousy right, at right, all. Right. Real shit. Let's talk about the names. Where did, where did Wu-Tang come from? Where did Method Man come from? Well, you know, Wu-Tang came from the movies. RZA, he must have gave that name to like, Three different groups, man. I remember uh, uh, me and you got was Wu-Tang. He let us have the name. And it was <laughs> him and Ghost and dudes in Stapleton. They was Wu-Tang. And then, like I said, the original Wu-Tang was supposed to be Old Dirty, Jizza, and RZA. We were just add-ons. Mm -hmm. So um, he got it from the karate movies. He had the whole idea set where he would, you know, follow the culture of those masters, the culture of Tai Chi, the culture of the, the monks, Sure, Shaolin yeah, monks, the whole yeah. Shaolin thing, and it worked. It, it, it definitely worked. And as far as individual names, these were names that we had on the block already. You know, Method was supposed to be weed, and where I hustled at was in front of the weed gate, and I had an uncanny knack for knowing who was coming to get weed and who was coming to get something else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> I just took the name Method Man, and I made a song about it. Once you make a song yeah. about something, and you say that's your name, that's your name and i wrote method man i say i was like 17 17 18 when i wrote that shit and didn't record it well i had recorded it, it was already a song but we re-recorded it for the album when i was 22 and it was still bumping i was a hood celebrity before anything else ah they knew that's you in the where street. it starts yes that's where it starts. so method is 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 weed Yes. It's a, a street term for weed. Street term for so, weed. Oh, you're the weed man. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, when I was, uh, found out what ghost face killer meant. A ghost, oh, I was like, yeah. oh, white, white guy killer. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's good. That I didn't know admit that myself. That's good. That's yeah, that's good. That's I didn't crazy. get that one at first. Somebody just told me what to cow mean because that was the name of my album. Right. Cow, right? And that's what we used to call weed. And that's what we met the cow, the cow method. Somebody said, take into consideration all lives. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's kind of me. That shit. fits, too. That fits. Take yeah, into yeah, consideration yeah. all lives. And chef, Raekwon the chef, chef is an acronym for criminals have to eat food. <laughs> <laughs> the inside story, there folks. There you go. Let's talk about your solo records, though. The, the, yeah. the, it, the, you've had some huge successes, but there's been, you almost got the Guns N' Roses Chinese democracy with crystal meth. It's like, it's been <laughs> yeah. eight years or so, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? With the crystal, the, the crystal meth album... I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. It's, it's, it's going to come. I, I mean, I did the meth lab joint as a, as a precursor to that album, but I'm more trying to get a push on some of this younger talent in Staten Island that no one's reaching for right mm. now. You know what I'm saying? And if I can be a springboard to get them there, so be it. I'll, I'll rhyme on every track if I have to. My first album, when, when I did it, there was a flood. So RZA couldn't. He lost a lot of the data and shit. So I had to do a lot of that shit over. He had to remake beats over, shit like that. And it was a grind because we were actually on the road promoting 
the first album, but Def Jam won a different album. Hmm. So we when uh, when we would uh, wake up that morning, we would promote, go to the radio, make an appearance somewhere, autograph signing. Then that night we would have to promote at a club or perform at a club. And after the show, which would be like one, two in the morning, everybody else would go back to their rooms and rest. I would go to the studio with RZA to record. And it was a long grind, but it paid off in the end. I got a platinum plaque out of it. Hmm. But then that second album was coming. We asked for more money, of course. And I was riding a high horse coming off a Grammy win. And I remember myself and Mariah were dropping the same week. And I think Mariah kicked my ass that first week. But I wasn't a slouch because I came in with 407000 That's amazing, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, huge. holy shit. And the album wasn't that good. <laughs> the album was not that good. And that went on to sell uh, double. Of what the first one did. The second. The second. The first one went platinum. Right. And with a platinum single, and which is unheard of now. Mm-hmm. And the second one went double platinum. Double platinum right? Yeah. Doble. And then that third album came, and I was so unfocused. I'm wondering if people still like me. You know, you start you start to become your own worst enemy and getting in your own way. I remember hearing Randy Orton say that. Um, that's what Triple H told him one day. Mm-hmm. Look, brother, you're a great wrestler. You're a talent. You're getting in your own way. Yeah, that's and true. And he had yeah. to do a total 180. He's still shitting in gym bags and shit. <laughs> Randy, what the hell? But you can tell that 180 turn mm-hmm. helped him out a lot. Apex Predator, baby. For That's real. the truth. That's yes. the truth. Yes. But you, you, sometimes, like you said, you, you start believing your own hype. Yep. That's where the problems start. Yep. When you should always, humility should always be first mm-hmm. when you wake up and you look in that mirror. Humble yourself right there. Mm-hmm. Then when you go out in the world, it'll reflect on everybody else and shit. It's amazing what you see when you get older. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, it's, it's so easy. Yeah, <laughs> you make is. things so hard when you're a younger guy. That's why I... I Bless kids, because they, they, they forced me to mature. I didn't mature until I was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm 46 now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm actually saving money. <laughs> For real. So, God, blessings, man. That's why this is my solace. This is my fort- for, uh, fortress of solitude, so to speak, like Your Superman house. has. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people that know me and know, I've been in Staten Island for over 30 years, so I pretty much know the whole island. And people that know me, will tell you, Meth is the same way he was when he was dirty shotgun on the block. Mm-hmm. The same way he is today, you know? Humble and I just love, I just loving life. Just loving life. My freaking neighbor next door loves me. <laughs> my man. Are you Doug. a good neighbor? Yeah, Doug is dope. He does my snow sometimes for me. We're talking to students. Gotta be early 80s. Wow. Yeah, he was a fireman though, so his chest is huge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I can't wait to do a talk show so I can shout him out. Did you guys do a lot of, uh, well, shout out to Doug right now. Yeah. Did you guys do a, a lot of touring with Wu-Tang and on your own solo-wise? Oh, my God. It was, sometimes, you know what? The touring got so bad that sometimes I had other pro- other things I had to do. And this was a big problem for Wu-Tang because people would come to these shows expecting to see all eight of us. And sometimes you got six. Oh, really? Sometimes you got four. When you got four, you were pissed. <laughs> like, I played for eight individuals. I come <laughs> yeah. here for four individuals. Right. One thing that I tried to do was make every show and almost killed myself doing that shit. And at the end of the day, we had to, the fans were so loyal that we had to come up with the, the, the saying that whether you get one or two, three or four, it's still Wu-Tang forevermore mm. you know what i'm saying and you know people 
knowing that, we have walk-up numbers. <laughs> For people out there that don't know what walk-up numbers is, when you put the tickets out there to sell, people will buy the tickets. There's people that wait until the day of and want to see the group actually enter the building <laughs> before they buy their ticket at the door. That's walk-up money. Yeah. So you guys would do tours where not everybody was even confirmed. Yep. Yep, all the time. And that had a lot to do with bullshit management. I said it. Yeah. yeah Wu-Tang yeah. management was, oh, God, they couldn't even keep up with the numbers. But we're talking about dudes we grew up with. Right. And we're talking about Riz's older brother in a management role. Mm -hmm. I mean, I worked at the Statue of Liberty with this brother. They never promoted him to fucking assistant manager, let alone <laughs> manager. I, I ain't taking nothing away from Vine, though. He, he worked with what he had and shit, and he did a okay job with it. Okay, job but that just with seems it. so crazy. It'd be like you know, like Slipknot, but only four guys show up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the fans would go. Bonkers. How could you even do do your gig if, like, let's say there's a song that has eight guys on it, but there's only four? Do you have to double up and do other guys' parts? And the power of fans. Hmm, if they right. love you that much, at the end of the day, if you're throwing on a hit record, you can ask them to sing it for you. If the group member isn't mm -hmm. there, when I don't make shows, they still do the Method Man record, hmm. and the fans sing it. So. Kudos, man. Right, right, right. I love our fans. Killer bees. Killer bees, baby. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about old dirty bastard passed away. Yep. Um, how important was he to the band? What kind of a guy was he? Dirty was the one that gave us our soul. Because hmm. he had a lot of soul in him. Another dude grew up in a musical household, you could tell. Mm -hmm. He would rather sing than rhyme any day, even though he couldn't say. <laughs> but he was like that drunk uncle that'd be at every barbecue. <laughs> Hold up, y'all don't know nothing about this. Let me tell y'all how this go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Dirty gave us our soul, man. And he had a flow, a cadence, unlike any other rap artist that's ever come before him. Because it would go from rhyming to song in a heartbeat. And he would never say the rhyme the same way. Mm at all even when he performed it he would never say it the same way kind of like going to a lauren hill concert when she performs those records that you love she doesn't do them like that mm -hmm. you know she does them this is a show now we're gonna right. do it like the show do it you know it's like amazing grace when you go to a play they sing amazing grace a certain way maybe up tempo you go to church amazing grace is a ballad mm -hmm. you know that's another thing let me just touch on this i hate when they turn the national anthem into a ballad. First of all, God bless America, by all means, right? But I'm there for the game. Right. I want to see the game. You know, I want to see the fight. And sometimes when you watch a boxing match, if somebody's from another country, you got to sit through their national anthem. And don't let it be Canada because y'all national anthem is long as shit. Oh, Canada. But that's one of my favorite places to perform. Is it really? Yes, because... It's not exactly overseas. I mean, a totally different country, but you can still get a lot of the shit that you get here mm -hmm. in Canada. Mm -hmm. Toronto is just like a mini New York. Oh, absolutely. Man. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. The T-Dot. Yeah, the T-Dot. It's a different country, but it's basically the same country. Basically. the same thing. Yeah. When did you find A lot out? less racism. A uh, whole lot less. Yes. Yes, Love yes, Canada. Yes. There's not a lot in Canada. Right. You know? I yes, mean, sir. But, what, you know, you have French Canadians that hate on regular Canadians because yeah, they're not English Canadians. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole world there, there too. That's the whole world there too. <laughs> so was it was it hard to uh, to replace ODB after he passed away? There was no replacement for him. So, we, we could never do that. It was it, it was harder dealing. I mean, he never really made shows. So, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. But it was hard dealing with losing someone that close to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you lost a sibling or if you lost an arm or a leg. Right. It, it, it just... 
you know, there's still points in times because we do his dedication every night. Points in times when we when we do that dedication on stage, and I gotta keep my composure from not, you know, mm-hmm. crying on stage. It doesn't work all the time, but and that's just the impact that he had on all of our lives, not just the world, but on the group members' lives and stuff. What did he pass away from? Overdose. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He lived that lifestyle. You know, I mean, a lot of artists have went the same way and I'm pretty sure if they could come back they would grab someone and tell them stop it right mm-hmm. now because he didn't have to go that way do you find that things have changed over the last few years as far as that I know in wrestling it sure has whereas you know I lost a lot of friends from, from yeah. that sort of stuff but it's changed now is it like that from what you see no, I think it's worse. I mean, they're drinking lean. Lean, that shit gives you seizures. What's lean? Lean is uh, codeine. Oh, wow. And, and, and uh, Or promethazine. Mm. And they mix it with Sprite and put all these Jolly Ranchers and Oof. shit in it, and they're drinking this shit, and it's giving them seizures. That's you know idiot. what I'm saying? Personally, I myself, the most I went outside of marijuana was Angel Dust. Mm. And that shit is a whole nother trip. Wow. Don't look. If I could advise anybody, tap them on the shoulder, be like, "Don't smoke it." Mm. Shit is horrible. Horrible. Is it hallucinogenic? Angel dust. It can be. Yeah. It can be. It can be. And then uh, we would take mescalins. We're talking thirteen, fourteen year olds mm. running around like madmen. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I would recommend nobody f- with shit like that. Marijuana, on the other hand, yeah, you play, you pay. <laughs> no, this is just my thing. How close are we to having marijuana just legalized across the whole country? I think we're very close, but you know what? There's a lot of old fogies. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have them in wrestling too. They mm-hmm. just won't let some of these new guys just let them over. It's like, no, I'm Ric Flair, and it's not going to happen. No slight at Ric Flair. Yeah. Woo, love Ric. <laughs> His daughter's doing well too. She is. Um, it's just that old, that old. Regimen just just won't come up off their high horses. They're they're still watching, you know that that reefer marijuana madness. reefer madness. There you go. This this still I'm on the crazy reefer madness. The it's like there's so many healing qualities to it, which I won't get into because I'm no scientist. I just like the way it feels. I I just you know it inspires me to do things that or go to the next level. I'm not asking anybody else to smoke, mm-hmm. but for me it works. It just right. works, and I I think it's. Out of all the drugs that are legal, it's more harmless than some of those drugs that they're legalizing that they're giving people on a regular basis. You have guys coming home with PTSD from overseas, war and things of that nature. And they're saying, I don't like taking the drugs because they make me feel crazy. I'm loopy. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I'm not saying that some of these guys can be suicidal or harmful to people around them, but they're blaming the drugs off top. Mm -hmm. And when they go towards the marijuana side of it and that high doesn't have them with their strange side effects and things of that nature. It's like, Oh, okay, I prefer this. Mm -hmm. But then you get caught and locked up for it and they're treating you like you just bought heroin. Sure. Like you got a pound of cocaine on you or something. It's incredible because the majority of drug offenders that are locked up are marijuana users, you know? And at the end of the day, drug offenders need help, not, Mm-hmm. jail mm-hmm. you know they if anything instead of putting all this money into jails let's do and they've tried this i mean to to programs to to rehab these people so they can find themselves back in society and do what it is that 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 
you know, whatever benefits them and gets them to the American right. dream. Right, you know right, what right, I'm right. saying? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, even with hip-hop, it's always an I, 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 me, me, me type of mentality. Even when you listen to the rhymes, it's I, 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 me, 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 look what I did, look what I got, look what I wear, look what I have type of uh, uh, mentality. That's why Kendrick can come in and sweep kicking. Hurricane run of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, because he came from a whole different angle. Not only is the kid a poet, but he's sort of like an activist. Right. You know what I mean? For right. whatever culture he's standing up for, which could be, I mean, it could be black hippie culture or whatever, you know, but he has a voice and a message behind it. Mm-hmm. It's not just I, 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 me, me, me. He kind of makes you feel like you're on that journey with him. And that's what a true artist does. Do you like modern hip hop? Some of it. Mm-hmm. I think the dudes are, they're making songs, and I can appreciate that. They're, they're making songs. As far as lyrical contact, you're not always going to get that. Mm-hmm. So when there is someone like an Eminem that comes around, it's a breath of fresh air. Mm. Yes, sir. Is he, is, he, is he one of the best rhymers? Who's the best rhymer? I couldn't even tell you because there's always somebody that, like I said, I deal with the underground dudes, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a few guys that's underground that I feel like should be top five. Vince Staples, I'm looking at you, brother. <laughs> and uh, so I can't put a number on it, but if you're talking about the older guard, whew, they always have Jay and Nas up there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for good reason. Those dudes are dope. Then you get the Tupacs and the Biggies in there. Good reason. They had a great following. Pac was a, a prophet. Biggie, I mean, who could fuck with his cadence as far, and his wordplay? He was dope. Mm-hmm. Telling stories, whatever. The thing that grinds my gears is the fact that all of these lists have those names on them. When there were dudes out there that came from that same era, just didn't have the same kind of push, that were way more prolific mm-hmm. than some of those names, man. So... That's yeah, always the way that whatever whatever the press and the media decides, this is the guy. This is the guy, right. exactly, right. exactly. Just yes, as we wind down a bit, I know that you are a big wrestling fan. We talked about yeah. that. Yeah, you watch the show now. You watch it. I haven't had time. No, no, right. I can't catch it. But it is on my DVR. <laughs> <laughs> Raw tapes every Monday, and all three hours of it. Thanks, Vince. Who are you? Uh, some of your all-time favorites throughout the course of your all fandom? Right. Renee Goulet. Yeah, you love Renee. Yeah, Cowboy Shout Bob out. and Roddy. Okay, yeah. Roddy was my top. Uh, uh, he just, for some reason, his promos and, and, and Piper's pit was just, <laughs> oh. Um, you know, the older guard, um, uh, Pat Patterson. I used to love Ivan Putsky. Wow, Polish so you go all power. the way back, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Atlas, Rock, you know, Rock's father. Uh, Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, Chief uh, Chief J Strongbow Chief J Strongbow uh, Stan Stasiak oh. <laughs> I used to like Adrian Adonis Yeah I used to love Adrian Adonis But I remember It was a North-South connection Before he did the The other thing With the You know The whole Yeah The, 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 gay, thing. the gay thing Right He had a partner And it was like A North-South connection I forgot who no, it was No dude It was the East-West connection East-West connection It was Jesse go. the Body Ventura yeah, And Jesse the Body Ventura We all know You know That he was Um Biting superstar Billy Graham's whole thing, yeah, but he did it so well. Yeah, he was so oh great. Oh my God. And when The Rock came around, I was mm-hmm. there. I, I saw that whole run. That was, yeah. From the time he went to the nation and just said, F it, you people. <laughs> oh. Who did you do a theme song for? You did somebody I did song. one for Kane, which never got aired, and oh. one for The Rock. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah, did yeah, The Rock. Yeah, 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 I remember. And then I caught this guy. 
just incredible, man. Uh, I started watching ECW, and this dude would just come in, the bravado and just the swagger and, and, and the hair. Chris Jericho. <laughs> and he would do the lion song. <laughs> oh, you was in there getting your ass kicked in there, boy, but you was kicking ass, too, and taking Trying. numbers, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking numbers. And I remember <laughs> they had did this promo, I think, for like two, three months. You know, you're opening the countdown. Yeah. Yes. And when you finally came out, we went fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, you about to see some fucking shit now, baby. <laughs> and sure enough, Chris, you did not disappoint, oh, brother. Man. From promo to to being in the ring, giving your all, to being the fucking unified champion, the first unified champion. There can only be one. There can only be one, and you deserved every bit of it. You gotta be my hype man. You gotta be my hype man. Brother, you deserved every bit of it because you put your work in. Oh. You definitely put your work in. That makes me think of people like Miz, mm -hmm. right? Now, Miz, Mark Henry used to tell me all the stories. They put that dude through hell. He did. Whooped his ass. Well, because we didn't know if he was legit or not because right. he came in through real, real right. world. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, is, does he want to play a wrestler? Does he really want to do this? And, of course, he really did, but you never know that at first. Yeah, so you got to test his. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, when you got people like... <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker walking around and shit, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, and he's real serious, Mark. Yeah. He's real serious about his yeah, shit. Yeah, like, yeah. He doesn't play no bullshit. I get that, man. Um, the guy that sticks out to me, Polynesian dude, and everybody has stories about this dude, man. He just was a real ass kicker in real life. Haku? Haku. Yeah. Yeah. Are those stories true? True story, but just the sweetest guy. Like, I'm sure you know a lot of Samoan guys. Are yes. Mixed. They're all... The friendliest, nicest guys yeah. put a little alcohol in the system. They turn exactly. into killers. Daddy. Yeah, they turn into killers. So a lot of those stories, I just had him on this podcast a couple months ago. Yeah. And uh, he's super humble, the friendliest guy. But, yeah, they're true. A little sauce. Through plate glass windows. And yeah. Biting so what guys' did you, noses off. What did you think of New Jack? And that dude is... Yeah, well, I, I knew him when he came into Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Okay. So that was before he was even in ECW. Wow. So this, you're, you're talking about being in, uh, like, Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. And you got two black dudes coming in there, <laughs> literally <laughs> eating watermelon and, and yeah. fried chicken. Yeah. And playing right into that. I mean, oh, you know, stereo, yeah. There, there's a lot of, you know, cross burners down there and wearing Ooh, the white coats. Yeah, this, so is, this, he, this is the Dirty South, balls, right? Balls. So they were going for that type of heat. Mm. A little bit uncomfortable at times but, he, right. but jerome is his name he would go for it man yeah, he he's would go got for some it stories and i've heard some stories yeah. about that motherfucker and yeah, i've yeah. seen footage where he just loses it on well, people. just from diving off balconies and cutting guys and yep. he, he definitely was a gangster for sure for sure <laughs> did you ever get a chance to meet any of those guys like piper or anybody like that i went backstage because i was on the hard knock life tour i got i went backstage and met uh a lot of the ecw wrestlers that was the first time i seen sabu talk <laughs> freaked me out <laughs> yeah. but it was a mess back there yeah. nothing like wwe yeah. which I, I expected i mean it's a paul Heyman uh promotion and shit and what's smaller were too you they know. were grinding and shit yeah and i remember the locker room was just one big room mm -hmm. that that's it everybody was in yeah and uh yeah, a lot of guys with bloody balls was there. Uh -huh. I remember seeing balls because I was big on balls. Like, that's my G right there. Got it. Hardcore. Yeah, and um, 
you know, then when I the first when I got to go to a WWE event, I brought my nephews. It was SummerSlam. They got it on the WWE Network. They showed me. I was like, ah. <laughs> and uh, I got to meet Kane. Was very nice. Mm-hmm. Kane was very nice. He came out, and met the guys. Very smart. I, yeah, I, I seen H. And H seen us, but H was farther down the hall. And I get it. You know, sometimes you just drained and you don't want to be bothered. He did a, was gone. Triple H. Yeah, he got gone. Out, got out of Dodge. Yeah. Um, Farouk, mm-hmm. you know, Ron, Ron came out. He was nice to the boys and shit. Yeah. Um, we didn't get to see any DX because, you know, they were riding their high horse at that time. They were fucking rock, rock stars, stars boys. That's word, right. word. That's right, man. But um, the guy that stood out the most to me that I got to chop it up with, he came and actually sat down with us and chopped it up with Randy, mm. Batista, Dave, mm-hmm. good guy. Yeah, he was, uh, it was his movie, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, he was. And um, God, me and my boy was walking down the hallway and Rick was talking to somebody. He was beefing and he's like, ask these guys who I am. Who am I? We're like, you're Rick Flair. He said, woo, Rick Flair, woo. <laughs> Somebody's probably asking him for a security pass or something. And that's all my cousin used to talk about was Ric Flair. And I wasn't familiar with Rick because I didn't watch. I didn't come up on NWA. It was always WWF or WWE or whatever it is now. And But I was intrigued with him. And Iannuki. Is that how you pronounce his name? Inoki. Inoki. There you go. Yeah. Japanese guy. Yeah. 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 But I was always like, well, who's Ric Flair? Well, who the hell is Ric Flair? And then I actually got to see the guy cut a promo. I hadn't seen him wrestle at all, but I seen him cut a promo, and I was like, yeah, that dude's larger than life. The feather dude and yeah, all yeah. that. Oh, come on, Rick. Hair. Come on, Rick. Last few questions. What's your yeah. favorite match that you ever saw? Oh, fuck. Is the one that stands out for you? The match that stands out for me. Hmm. So many. You know what? I'm going to go with ECW. I think it was um, Taz was wrestling Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm. And uh, they went through the ring. Yeah. The whole f- I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen nothing. Yeah, he like suplexed this. him through the ring. Yes. Yeah. And Taz was the human suplex machine. When I played, because I got WWE 2000. Right now, when I play. Yeah. And I create my character. He uses nothing but suplexes. <laughs> the whole shit. Nothing but suplex. Tigerplex. Uh, every plex you can think of, he's doing that shit. And, but um, that match stood out for me because I had never seen anything like that. Right. And guess what happened the next week? What was that? WWF did it. They did the same exact thing except they won up on it because the whole ring collapsed. That's when Big Show and Brock, I think, suplexed right. them or something. Right. Yeah. right. They're not going to be outdone. <laughs> um. The great colleague, sweet guy. I could tell he's a sweet guy. Probably gets along with everybody. Yeah. Horrible wrestler. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just have to put that. He can hardly there. walk. So can that's not a surprise. Walk. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's such a spectacle though. When you see him walk by, it's yeah, like everyone's looking at him. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, uh, will there be more Wu Tang stuff coming up? Probably, possibly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, dudes are planning to. Well, they're working on getting the residency in Vegas, which Ooh. would be dope. You yeah, know what I'm saying um, there's always going to be torn with Wu Tang. You just may not get everybody on the tour. <laughs> uh, as far as albums, not sure that's up in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got very loyal fans, so you never know. And I can always say, at the end of the day, if they do decide to do one, I'll sign on. Mm-hmm. Not a problem that's whatsoever. A problem. What's yeah. your favorite uh, Wu Tang song? Cream, because that's what did it for us. That got us where we needed to be, man. That song was just so dare I say powerful. Because it, it kind of bridged gaps between us being street kids 
in that mainstream. Mainstream, right. And we didn't do anything to compromise mm -hmm. to get there. So, yeah, Kareem, Never compromise, man. Yeah, never, ever. Thank you so much, my man. Inviting Chris, me to your beautiful house. Thank you, Having brother. this chat. This was major for me. I got Chris Jericho <laughs> in my house. I'm so glad that we, that we met. Word you never wrong. know, right? My friends are better than yours. Remember that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the new celebrity battle rap show, Drop the Mic, premieres this Tuesday, May 2nd on TBS at 10 p.m., 9 central. Method Man and Haley Baldwin co-host the show. And in the, I think it's the premiere episode, you're going to see me versus Layla Ali in an upcoming episode. I think it's the premiere. Like I said, it's, it was a blast to do. Hilarious to watch. So check it out this Tuesday on TBS, Jericho versus Ali. Jeez, uh, I've been doing a lot of the shows that they just did tanked last week on Animal Planet. Check that out. And check out the uh, Tanked is Jericho podcast with Brett Raymer and Wade King. Great dudes. They did a great job with my uh, fish tank, although it looks like one of the fish is eating another one right now. Those vicious little bastards. But uh, thank you so much for uh, for checking it out. And thank you for checking out Drop the Mic this Tuesday, May 2nd. And don't forget, May 3rd is the debut of Judas by Fozzie right here on Talk is Jericho. And in the meantime, before we wrap things up on a lighter note, let's see what uh, Mundy, Truly, and Clint from Team Time. Tiger Awesome have cooked up for today. Hit it, boys. This is the news with Team Tiger Awesome. Scientists revealed last week Saturn's moon Uncladus is home to liquid water and chemical energy, raising the moon's potential for supporting life from nope to icy all the way to I bet rich folks have already bought the coolest places. Also discovered on Uncladus were the basic necessities of life. Carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, a Netflix subscription, and two Starbucks in locations of differing convenience. And finally, in the world of podcasting, a local comedy news writer only found one story he felt like making fun of this week. Authorities are warning listeners the third segment of the news will be too meta. For more dangerously useful news, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show every Sunday on Podcast One right here on the Jericho Network. If you always want to be caught up on the most important news headlines of the week or the total BS headlines, you need to subscribe to Team Tiger Awesome Show at Apple Podcasts. Start your week with a laugh. New episodes every Sunday. Be sure to leave them a five-star rating and review. And do that for all the Jericho Network podcasts. Five-star ratings and reviews. Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Beyond the Darkness five days a week. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFont. Great episode this week talking to the forgotten guitar players uh, that, that, that played with Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy's forgotten guitar players, Brad Gillis, Bernie Torme. Mitch has got some quality guests every week. Check out that show if you like rock and roll, talking to the two forgotten Ozzy Osbourne guitar players. And then there's the Raven effect. Raven goes into depth about his uh, early years in wrestling, training at the Monster Factory, working in Portland for Don Owens, and working in Memphis for Jerry Lawler. Who does he think is the absolute greatest worker of all time? He will tell you on the Raven effect this week with his co-host Busby Berkeley. And, of course, our flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Conan, uh, always bringing in the big ratings and always bringing in the the, uh, the swagger. So please go check it out. Do it for your favorite shows and do it for the Talk is Jericho as well. Go give me ratings and reviews. I want 2,000 uh, reviews on my iTunes account, so go do it now. One last thank you to this episode's tremendous sponsors and to all of you for supporting them. DDP Yoga, go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho to get 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all DDP Yoga-related merch, the books. 
sign up at books.com. Use my promo code Jericho to get 20% off your order and free weekday shipping. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com. NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com slash Jericho to get 50% off your first order. And, of course, True Car. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And this Wednesday, May 3rd. Judas by Fozzie and wow, Kiefer Sutherland is going to be here, man. He's currently starring in the TV show Designated Survivor, but you also know him as, as Jack Bauer from 24, Stand By Me, The Lost Boys, Flatliners. He's also a great musician. He hung out with Bon Jovi, Young Guns, One, Two, Movie and Music, uh, all of it here, Movies and Music with Kiefer Sutherland on Wednesday. Don't miss it. Wow, that's an A-level guest. Talk about A-level guests. Method Man uh, and Kiefer Sutherland and Samoa Joe. I mean, that is insane in the membrane. I'm telling you, I got a whole lot of other big-time guests coming up for you. A whole lot of shaking going on. And next week, Kiefer Sutherland. And then I've got, uh, well, I've got a a former, multiple former WWE world champion and uh, one of the hottest new movie stars in the world today. And you will find that out on Wednesday. But for now, uh, uh, this Wednesday, Kiefer Sutherland's going to be here. Stay hard, stay cool, stay hungry. And in the meantime and in between time, give yourself a big, yeah, boy, safe guys we'll see you soon you can download new episodes of talk is jericho every wednesday and friday at podcast one.com that's podcast one.com